Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scuffins Podcast and Radio Show. Coming to you on the Sunday here, post-Metcon. Uh, I still have a terrible uh, like exercise-induced asthma cough. We call it you know, the bike cough or the ski cough or the row cough or whatever uh, activity we're doing today. It was kind of a mix of the, the, probably the bike and the ski is what got me, and so I still have that. It literally it sounded like everybody here uh, was suffering from a coughing allergy panic attack uh, when the workout ended. So if I start to cough here a little bit intermittently, I apologize. I'm trying to like fight through it just to get this podcast done. Uh, we did a request on Instagram, uh, just, just questions from you guys. Um, a lot of the requests are, are things we've already touched on in previous podcasts. So if you're an Instagram person and you replied to the IG story and you're messaging me and you're like, hey, he didn't get to my stuff, um, make sure you guys scroll through the entire list of podcasts uh, on iTunes. It's super easy to do. I think at this point we probably have, uh, what am I at, like 150, 160 or so podcasts. Um, so again, scroll through it, take your time. It'll take you guys all of like, you know, three two, three minutes probably. And uh, if you don't see what you requested, hit me up. And if I can speak on it with any intelligence, I'm happy to do so. So today's podcast, you guys, just a, literally a random collection of questions from you uh, to answer and give you guys direct value back and hopefully answer your questions in terms of this. So uh, I'm going to go to the list. Some of these are not really answerable um, in terms of in a podcast format or <clears throat> Excuse me. Things that maybe uh, we can't speak on in just this episode alone, but I will get to them if they're their own separate uh, podcast episode. So, with that question, I got here from uh, Drew: uh, Fitness trackers, um, how and why to use them? Uh, Drew, it's up to you guys. Uh, I'm a fan of a lot of different things. I've worked with Polar for a long time. The very basic uh, heart rate monitor, uh, the chest strap. I think the one we have here on my desk is what is this? Uh, the Polar FT7. I'm into the cheap versions of them. Honestly, uh, they sent me ones, the fancy ones with GPSs on them that are probably like 300 bucks. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, I'm really too lazy to figure that out. I'm not a huge runner anyway, and so I really don't care about tracking that kind of stuff. For me, it was just the heart rate, uh, just to see what it's at. And not that I go off of calories burned. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of like, again, if people who like my fit zone and shit like that, where they're chasing calories or numbers on the screen. I'm not. I'm not trying to bag on it. But I think sometimes people then just do activity just to see the numbers go up. And I don't think that's the right way to train. In all reality, I don't think every workout your heart rate has to be through the roof. I don't believe in that. There's a lot of workouts where I might intermittently, the heart rate goes up and it goes down. I mean, I think strength training when you're doing it correctly is the essence of interval training. Um, but I'm not dripping you know, crazy sweat every single session from every single pattern. Um, so again, I use it more so just to see if I'm bullshitting myself. I like that. So if I know, okay, man, you're really crushing it and my heart rate's at, you know, 127. Well, I'm, I'm really not. Maybe I'm just tired. I'm, you know, being lazy or I'm drained or whatever it may be. So I do like the polar stuff. Lately, I've gotten to the whoop, uh, app. Those guys do some pretty cool stuff. It connects to the phone. You wear it on the wrist. It'll show you obviously heart rate, you know, your daily strain. Um, it goes out of, uh, you know, resting heart rate. Um, HRV stuff like it really is cool with the sleep. I like to see it. It shows you um, the quality of sleep, how much they suggest that you get, how much, how many times you woke up during the night, the stages of sleep you're in, whether it was like light sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep. It kind of goes on the list. So I do like to see that as well. It's just something I recently got into just to track for me the sleeping, and uh, you know, basically what the app tells me I you know should feel like or what I really do feel like. Sometimes are the same, sometimes are different, but to track the sleep. I think is ideal and key just so you guys can see if you are waking up and it kind of learns you and the body. So there's a lot of really cool apps out there. Um, but again, if you're doing everything else correctly, throwing that in or just to see like, hey, you're trying to 
you know, check what your resting heart rate is or what your aerobic capacity is or what workouts crush you or don't crush you or what's easy for you or if you do make progress over time. I think they can be, <clears throat> there, cough goes again, uh, beneficial for sure. Next one, um, have you ever really fallen off course and struggled to get back on track, mostly mentally? Uh, in terms of physical fitness, no, I, I really haven't personally. I've seen a lot of people here come and go, um, ups and downs, people who are you know super gung-ho about it and then completely go off the deep end and stop exercising altogether. People who eat amazing and then start eating like you know complete trash. I've seen that as well. Uh, for me, I don't. It's my job. I feel it's my responsibility to lead from the front. And also, I've always been a, an active person. I've played sports ever since I was in third grade. So for me, not being active really wasn't an option. And I enjoy movement. I enjoy fitness. Now, there's certain stuff I do here just to elicit a certain result. Like I don't want to do split squats to the level that I do them at, you know, most days. But it does allow my, you know, quads and glutes and hamstrings in my body to feel a certain way. It does allow me to be leaner. And so there's, you know, there's an end game to doing that. But no, I've never really struggled with, you know, finding motivation to, to work out and train, maybe for a day here or there. Uh, but never for more than a day. Uh, that's just me personally. With the food part, yeah, man, it, it's tough. It goes in ebbs and flows. There's some days where I'm like, I'm perfect for a ton of days in a row. And then there's some days where I'm like, fuck it, man, I just want to eat pizza and donuts. And whether I really do that or not, more often than not, no, I don't. But definitely, I do have to keep re-motivating myself and understanding that it's not just about the vanity. It's, it's about how I feel. And so I haven't really struggled with that. There's, I might find a moment or two uh, you know, not maybe every week or every month where I don't want to, you know, come to work where I'm just like, fuck it, man. I've had it with, you know, just either waking up early or with, you know, I don't want to deal with this problem or put out this fire and, you know, my body's sore and I don't want to train, but I come back to perspective and how lucky I am to, to be stuck in this body and to live this life. And I've been given a gift. I really have. And I, I understand that at this point, I, I don't think like a lot of people, um, I don't view the world like a lot of people. I, I have so much gratitude and so much perspective. And I feel like by me being selfish and not showing up here in training and not coming into work and not helping people and not returning messages and not trying to deliver my best is is basically shitting on my gift and robbing the, the world and people of that. And so that's basically what keeps me motivated and keeps me going and knowing that you know some of the things I'm doing may not be able to be done at scale like this forever. And so I don't want to waste even a day of any opportunity, you know, to take advantage of it. And, and I look at it that way. I look at it as like an athlete. And, uh, you know, there's phases of it, you know, when Dwayne Wayne started to how Dwayne Wade is now, he's still great. He's just a different athlete. He plays the game differently. He moves differently, thinks differently. And basically that's how we as fitness professionals kind of have to look at it for us. Like, some of the stuff I did seven years ago is not the same stuff I'm doing now. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just shifting and changing. And so I feel a responsibility, at least right now at this point, to to help as many people as I can. So um, that's what motivates me to train right and eat right. And uh, I know that if I keep doing that, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have longevity in this game and in this life. And that's what keeps me rolling. Next one. Luke asked a question. He's a coach. My clients push hard, but I feel I can push harder. How do I encourage them without being a dick? Um, well, Luke, uh, I think sometimes I am kind of that way. Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't push people here. Um, in that regard, I, I really don't. There's, you have to have self-awareness and I think you have to know people and there's certain people here I can talk to most of them. I'd say 90%. I can, I can talk to them with the gloves off 
and I can kick them the real. And there's other people here where I know if I say certain things to them, they would probably break down crying and they would lose it. And so I take it on a case-by-case basis. But what we do as coaches, and I believe this, if you're a coach, we have our own idea of what kids and athletes and adults should be getting out of our programs and what we design and what we coach and what we do. And it's not what it's about. And some of it, sure. Um, obviously, what I love everybody here to to listen to everything I say and, and how they eat and sleep and train and live their life, most definitely. Um, but I'm also a realist. And I know if women are going to come here and dudes are going to come here and they just want to sit here and bullshit the day and talk to their homies, but that's what they need to get out of the session, then I'm okay with that. I know if, you know, Robbie comes in here and he's had a shitty day at work and his wife is on his case and his kids are going crazy and he wants to kind of bullshit through a bro day and talk to me the whole time. If that's what he needs to do, that's what he needs to do. You know, if Jenny comes in and her husband's being a dick and she's thinking about getting a divorce and life is going crazy for her and she wants to vent most of the day and kind of bullshit the assault bike and push a sled super slow, then that's what she needs. And I think we have to understand that because we don't know the full story oftentimes. I think we know more than most people do. But we don't know all of our clients and athletes' struggles. And I'm not saying that's every case. Sometimes they're just coming in and being lazy and bullshitting, and you have to know that. And then you you push them how you know. So the, the deeper the relationship you create with them, and the more you're around them and see them, and you know if something's off, you can or can't push them the way they want to. But at the end of the day, um, we don't know what they're coming from. We don't know everything that they're dealing with. And some days they might just need to come in, and this is a community. And you're the only person they can really talk to, or this is the only place they can be comfortable. And they're just coming here to escape um, their outside life. And it might not be a day they're going for a PR or really pushing it. But again, there's also people here who you know they're capable of more. And when you can tell they're in a good mood and you can tell they're feeling it, then you push them. You put the onus on them. You challenge them in a fun way, like you do with a little kid, right? Oh, time you to run around the building as fast as you can. You know, are we really timing them? Maybe, but who really gives a shit? We're just really putting a metric on them to get them excited about training and doing something different. So that's the way I would preface it. And I don't think you're being an asshole by doing that, but it's just letting them know like, hey, you're way more badass than this. You're way stronger than this. I, I know you can do more. If you always do it like a teacher, right? Like I, my undergrads in education and I always found like the rule of, you know, two positives to a negative was always the most beneficial way to do it. So you can razz them a little bit, like in a fun context, if they're that person. But literally there's, I think 90% of the women who come up in here can pick up the heaviest dumbbells and kettlebells we have. They just don't believe they can. They think it's it's too heavy or they're not strong enough. But, man, we, we got some pretty badass chicks here. And they can do some pretty gangster shit. And if they would just have the belief in it, and so we slowly do it for them. But I'm not going to force anybody to do it because if they're getting out of it what they want to get out of it, it's a win in my book. And over time, I think the deeper connection you make with them, the more you can kind of push them to do some of the things they once thought were were not possible. Next one. Uh, how to deal with shoulder injuries and work around them. Uh, you know, we have a, a whole mobility playlist on YouTube, you guys, um, for all kind of injury stuff. I got another one on um, the patellar tendonitis, somebody on golfer's elbow. We have a whole, we have 25 free videos, I think, in our, our mobility and foam rolling and tissue work playlist on YouTube. So subscribe to the Jeremy Scott Fitness YouTube page, you guys, you know, check it out. And uh, you guys should be there. Next one, what to do when you're stuck in a dilemma could be anything, fitness-wise or everyday life. Uh, honestly, you know, the way I look at most problems in life is like, can I control it? Can I change it? Can I do something about it? And if the answer is no, I really don't worry about it, man. You know, a long time ago, one of my old bosses told me, you know, control your controllables. And uh, kind of like the old phrase, you know, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. 
And uh, I believe that. So I don't waste time on things that I can't control. I look to, when I when something happens here in my personal life, my wife and I have an argument or we have some kind of crisis or situation going on, the first thing I do is think, what can I do to mitigate the damage here? What is the worst case scenario? And I kind of reverse engineer both ends of the spectrum. You know, if my car blows up right now, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I don't have a car. I'm going to go buy a new one. Really, what am I supposed to do? Like if I get a flat tire on the freeway, this sucks shit. I, you know, change the tire myself. I call my wife. I call AAA, whatever it is. I figure it out. Um, I don't waste a lot of time on the unnecessary details. Like if someone's telling me, if I answer a question, like how much does this cost? Like for my wife, is she going to go buy something? What does this cost? She's like, well, I'm going to do this. I don't care about the details. Just give me the hard facts and the number. I'm very cut and dry. I'm very just pointing to point B. How can we figure it out? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? How can we eliminate a lot of the damages and just move forward? I think that works for almost everything in life. Me being very cut and dry has, uh, it's worked out for me. Next one, how to be consistent. I have a podcast on this. Um, I think the biggest thing you guys to be consistent with anything, you just have to care. You just have to really care about it. You have to have a goal. You have to be driven and you have to make it non-negotiable. It's just something that you're going to do. How do you be consistent at brushing your teeth? How do you be consistent at wiping your ass after you go to the bathroom? How do you be consistent at, you know, making sure your car doesn't run out of gas? It's like how we do anything in that regard is, is pretty much how we do everything. It just has to be important to you. And you just start to have to change the habits, rituals, and routines that allow you to be successful in the smallest things in life. How do you be consistent tying your shoes? How do you be consistent putting on underwear before you put your pants on? It's really simple shit. And I think people want a, a super fancy answer. At the end of the day, it's like, you just don't care about it. If you're not eating healthy every day, you don't give a shit about eating healthy. If you're not working out consistently, you don't care about working out. You value so many other things other than that because you're doing a ton of other stuff in your life consistently already. You've mastered so many other skills, but for some reason you haven't made this one important. So you have to just mentally sell yourself on why you give a shit about eating right and training right and doing the things that you have to do to get to your goals. That's it. Next one. How do you design your gym and what are the priorities when it comes to equipment? You know, for me, uh, I... Basically, wanted to make a space that was as open as possible, so we could, you know, do functional movement. You know, we can run, we can jump, we can skip, we can do skater hops and mountain climbers, and do a bunch of really fun things where we're not tripping all over each other, push sleds and, and stuff like that. And uh, in terms of equipment, uh, to me, I grab, you know, selfishly, I, I bought a bunch of stuff that that I wanted to use and to do. Um, but because the training here, what I do is mirrored by my clients do it. So what I'm doing. They're doing as well, whether it's you know progressed or regressed or chopped up or sliced or served in a different way. For better or for worse, everybody here who trains, it's, it's how I train. Obviously, it's Jeremy Scott Fitness, so it's, it's whatever Jeremy wants to do. And uh, in terms of equipment and relationships, you know, I, I do get a lot of stuff for free um, that you guys probably don't. Like the stuff we get, you know, we work a lot with uh, Dynamax. Um, we work a lot with like the hyper wear hyper vest people, uh, you know, George at pure motion has been great. We got a lot of really dope shit from him. Um, but again, and I love, I love the concept two stuff, the rows, the skis, basically what I try to do is what I, when I buy something or when we work out deals with people and we get stuff, I look at it as how can this help the masses? 
can the average person do this or can we coach the average person to do this in a safe way that's going to help them make progress? And two, is this a piece of machine or equipment that they can use and make great progress and not hurt themselves? And can they use it not just now, but a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? So if you look at things like the assault bike, the row, the ski, the sled, um, trap bars, dumbbells, kettlebells, these are things uh, people can do for the next 100 years. They can do them till they die. There's people who can row and ski till they're 97 years old, 110 years old, doesn't matter. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I like to get things that's, you know, low impact, um, but high output. So like, you know, there's not a lot of things like the assault bike, you can pop on it, you don't, you don't even have to warm up, you can hop on it, and you can get a great workout in. It's a great, you know, tool, it, it just really is. And I think the same thing for you know, rows and skis and in the sleds. There's a lot of stuff. I'm not a huge, again, I think everything has a place, but I just try to do things that are multifunctional, multifaceted that can be thrown into, you know, circuits and countdowns and different Metcons and different cohorts and, and little flows that let people really get the most out of the workout. And so um, that's, you know, kind of how I invest in things and that's how I look at things. And I think, you know, most people, if you're doing training in groups, I think it's, that's probably the best way to go about it. Next one, mistakes you've made while working out that you learned along the way you were doing wrong. Uh, Keith, everything uh, under the sun I did wrong for sure. Uh, we have a whole podcast on that, but probably the biggest things is uh, understanding nutrition properly when I first started and understanding training, not following you know, what uh, the guys in the magazines were doing, um, not doing you know, the bro splits, not doing things because I saw somebody on fucking Instagram do them and thought that it would work for me directly. Because what you see somebody else doing does not have a correlation with what you should be doing because you are not the same. You don't have the same genetics. You don't have the same goals. You're not in the same chapter, the same page. Now, if that person is a coach and they can set you up on a program and help you out and walk you through it and, and talk you through it and help you do it, then yeah, that's fine. But I think just following things blindly and not really asking questions and not being educated on proper rest, recovery, and how to eat right, that's a, a big mistake I see a lot of people make. Uh, next one, <clears throat> silencing your inner critic and feeling like you're not good enough. Well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a lot of self-confidence. I, I really do. And not in everything in life. There's a lot of things I suck at. Um, but I don't beat myself up over it. I don't really care. Um, I'm not super handy. I mean, I can like, you know, use a drill and, and, and you know, put nails in the wall and, and hang up shit. Whether it looks good or not is, is another debate. Um, I can do some yard work. I can do basic things on a car. Uh, but I'm not a, an expert by any means. And uh, I'm not good at shit like that. And I don't really care. Um, I, I suck you guys at most things. I'm terrible at a lot of stuff. <clears throat> My sense of direction is awful. If it wasn't for a GPS and like Siri talking to me, um, I wouldn't know how to get anywhere. In fact, you guys who grew up before the internet and, and use maps, respect, because I, I'd be afraid to leave the house. Uh, my point is, is that I'm good at what I'm good at. I, I go all in on my strengths and I play to my strengths and I, I really just, I, I've created an ecosystem and a life that plays to the things that I'm good at and the things that I like to do and I enjoy to do. And I don't worry about the rest. I can't be all things to everybody. Um, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, be a guy who... It doesn't swear. It's just how I grew up. It's, it's, it's how I speak. I feel passionate about it. It, it helps me show emphasis. And I know it turns a lot of people off. And uh, a lot of people have told me that. Hey, I, I love your podcast. I love what you do. But man, you swear in the language. And I'm like, they can't get past it. And I have empathy for them. And I feel bad. Because that's the way they grew up. That's in my, you know, deep in my fucking soul, man. That's how I feel I need to speak. And so I don't beat myself up over the things that I'm not perfect at or I'm not great at or my flaws. I mean, my flaws are my own. And I think, you know, if you ask me, I don't have kids or anything like that, but I feel like, you know, 
that's like something I would worry about if I had a kid is like, you want your kid to be like, to, they want him to be perfect and be, and be nice and be respectful and whatever. But I do feel like you have to be a certain level of, 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 of tough. You have to be a certain level of fucked up. And I feel like I'm like just a good mix of both. Now I think people who meet me are like, well, Jeremy's too quiet. He's whatever. Or, or I can be super intense at the same note, but that just comes from my background and everything else. And what I'm getting at is I think I'm like the perfect level of fucked up. Like I have empathy, I have gratitude, I have perspective. I really do care about people, but on the same note, I can I can kick it to your real because I don't feel bad for people who who really don't put in the work. And there's certain things where I I, I because of how I grew up and how I am, I'm just raw enough, or I'm tough enough, where I can take it, and I'm not overly sensitive and whatever it may be. My point is is. Um, my the inner critic, I, I don't beat myself up, you guys, over anything. Maybe when I was younger, I used to, but I for surely don't now. I literally just, I, I, I love who I am. I really do. Um, am I perfect? No. I'm a, I'm a fucking hot mess just like you guys, and I'm probably even you know way crazier than you are, and, and I repeat things and do things, and I just, my brain is, is completely just jacked, but I love it because it's mine, and I have to really just appreciate my body and my life and myself for who I am, and I don't think, if you don't love yourself, man, I mean this life is really rough. So I think you really just, you have to, if you're telling yourself some negative shit, you just have to stop, man. And don't be so hard on yourself. And if you're fucking up and doing some crazy stuff, then stop. And, and just and try to be a better person. That's all you can do is just day by day. We're all the same. We're all trying to figure life out. We're all in the same, you know, fishbowl. We're all really just trying to navigate our through. Like, what are we supposed to be doing? Should I be saving money or spending money? Should I be working hard or enjoying my life? Like, where's the balance? Like, none of us really know. Um, I just say, dude, the shit that makes you happy, man. And don't, uh, don't be hard on yourself. Life is hard enough as it is. So don't be your own uh, don't be your own worst enemy for sure. Next one. How do you train effectively when injuries uh, are present? You know, I mean, you work around it. Uh, I've had some uh, gnarly tennis elbow uh, lately, and uh, I've been working through it with the physiotherapist on YouTube, actually, which has helped a ton. So sometimes it's overuse, and uh, sometimes it's just inflammation or the tissue's tight because you haven't been foam rolling or doing mobility or getting massage. And so obviously, if you have upper body stuff, focus on lower body. If it's, you know, up, lower, focus on upper body. Whatever it is, just work around it best you can. Obviously, take the rest as you need to. And, uh, you know, small injuries are going to happen here or there. Um, but, again, obviously, you know, proper rest, recovery, working with a PT or, you know, massage therapist can, can do you a lot of good. And just being smart about your training. You know, sometimes we're doing shit that's unnecessary. Like, are you doing box jumps? Can you do box jumps? Sure you can. You can also run around your house with scissors in your hands. You know, what's the fucking point? Like, it's not like when are you – like. If I'm going to get hurt, it's like, when are you going to get hurt? Like, there's certain high impact and dangerous things and things that we don't have to do. And there's almost always another optional alternative for you guys in terms of training and uh, and how you do it. So I think just being smart about it and maybe swapping exercises or swapping days or taking a rest here or there off of the thing that's irritating you um, is the simplest answer. Uh, next one. When is it necessary um, for rest days? How many should you take during the week? Uh, we have a podcast on this. It's up to you guys, really. Um, know your body. Know your goals and what you want to do and know if you're you know, just being soft or if your body's really beat up and you have to chill. I, I don't think you can redline it every day or load every day. And um, I'll do a deeper podcast on this episode. But I, I think, yeah, you probably should take a day or two a week that's probably lighter um, and, and really focus on mobility and recovery because I don't think a lot of people prioritize that or do that correctly. And I, and I can't under, you know, I, there, I can't say how important it is to really focus on tissue work and proper mobility, you guys, um, at least a little bit every single day, because there's nothing worse than being hurt or injured or not feeling your best, especially when it was something that you could have avoided by just doing, you know, little maintenance things along the way.
Next one. What was your favorite aspect of playing basketball, competing sports growing up? Honestly, um, I don't know if there's a favorite thing. As I'm older now, I'm probably going to say the relationships with with my friends and the, and the people. Um, because I still, to this day, a lot of these guys I talk to um, that I played with, you know, in middle school. And I, I'm fortunate I have a really, I play in this thing called the Knop Turning, you guys. We, we get together once a year on the 4th of July. And we've been doing it for like 25 years. Um, so since I was a little, little kid, and we now we live all over the country and all over the world, and we all still, about 35 of us dudes get together for one day a year, and we play basketball, and we're terrible now. Most of us played sports, you know, basketball, baseball, or football in college, almost all of us for that matter, and we were all once really good, now we're a bunch of old guys, and it, we're terrible, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a really special thing to me, it's a really important thing to me, and uh Without basketball, that wouldn't exist for me. So sports gave me that. It gave me like, you know, some really, really good friends who were on group texts all year and we talk and we communicate. And even if we only see each other once a year, um, it's really special because I know most people don't have that. And the same thing for my college teammates uh, and my roommates. You know, I love these guys. And uh, even if I don't see them as often as I like, because I'm obviously live across the country for most of them, um, when we do talk and communicate, it's like, you know, we never left each other. And uh, that's important to me. And so as I get older, I have to say it's that. But while I was playing in it, um, I just love the, the the highs and lows of it because I'm not a really I'm not a real emotional person. Um, I don't get super excited for stuff. I'm terrible at celebrating wins and, and successes. I'm, I'm awful at it. I don't show a lot of emotion. That's not who I am. My greatest sports moment. I never jumped up and screamed and ran and hugged people. It just it, it wasn't. I don't feel that feeling. Whatever you guys feel with that, like. Uh, I don't have it. Like when I watch a game, I would never be the fan at the game who would scream and, and yell stuff. I just sit there and I observe and I, I experience things differently. And that's probably why people, whether that's my introvert side or people think I'm like a, <clears throat> excuse me, like a robot for it. Um, that's just who I am. And so, but the the emotion of it, playing the game, I would feel that. So meaning like when you're in a sports game and you're playing a game and you're just, you're maybe you're on a hot streak and you're, you're shooting and it's just like, you can't fucking miss, man. The, the high you get from that, what hitting a bucket and having the crowd, you know, scream and cheer you on, or having the fans who, I really love the people who fucking hated on me and they would like talk shit to me as I'm like pulling a jumper from 30 feet and I'm like, boom, bucket. And you just silence. I'm like, there's a high in that and a power in that. Like when you're just fucking killing people on the court that, that I'll never get back, even in this life, it just, it doesn't exist. Um, even like even like in high school, like you're running out in warmups and in college too, you're running out in the warmups and the crowd is chanting and, and the, the music is on and you're hyped. Like there's a feeling in that. And also the same note, the lows of it. There's nothing else you're gonna do in your adult life where in a 40 minute span you're gonna feel so awesome and so shitty at the same time, right? Like so when you're playing in a basketball game, you can be up by like 15 points, and all of a sudden the team you're playing starts to come back, and maybe you're still winning by four points. But you shitted away a 20-point lead. So you feel like you're losing even though you're still winning. And you can feel the momentum shifting um, or like hitting a game winner or missing a game winner. Um, there's an adrenaline rush in that that um, if you ever were an athlete, even in high school, but especially in college or if you guys happen to play professional, it um, you can't replicate that. And that's why I would tell any of you young people out there, if you're still an athlete, like, man, enjoy it, dude. Um, because you can't really get that feeling back when it's gone. And uh, I did enjoy that. And I really enjoyed the, the competition part of it. I really enjoyed just fucking roasting people. I really did, man. Like, I just loved... Because it was like... It's a safe environment where you can kind of, you know, talk shit to each other, you know, either verbally or not even say a word. And you're just roasting a dude. And, uh, you know, it just it just feels good to just compete at sport because you, you put so many... 
I mean, I can't tell you how many tens of thousands of hours of just shooting and dribbling and shooting and shooting and playing. And uh, to, to be able to put it uh, into play uh, on the floor against somebody else and, and drop 35 points on them. And it just, it, it's just, um, I, I do miss that. I, I always will. Um, when I watch the young kids now in the NCAA and I watch the NBA, it's just like you respect the, the craft of it. And, uh, and, and I do, uh, I guess that's, uh, that was probably, when I was playing, that's probably my, my favorite part of it, just the competitiveness of just like, of just crushing people. <laughs> I'm always going to be that person. Uh, next one here. Um, doing both strength training and cardio first, which one would you do if you're training? Um, honestly, for you guys, I, I think depending on how much time you have in a week, you know, I would say mix it all together. Really do it. You know, if we say you want to do cardio, but you don't have a lot of time, we say like lift weights faster, if you will. Put yourself in a timer and just roll through it. But if you have to split the two, you're into the old school style. Um, for you guys, I would say probably doing the lifting portion first and the aerobic stuff second, just because I don't, I don't want you to be gassed as you start loading and lifting, um, because I think you're going to get more out of it if you're you know, lifting fresh. But if you roll through a, a Metcon and you want to do some loading afterwards, I think that's fine too. I don't think you can go wrong. I just think a lot of people probably are going to do better if they're lifting prior than doing just the basic aerobic stuff. But again, uh, I like to kind of mix everything all together. I think you guys are going to be more athletic that way. I think overall, um, it's a better mix or a better flow. Uh, where's my questions here? Mm, becoming a successful personal trainer. Uh, we did a podcast on this on how to run a business, how to start a business. Uh, so you guys can obviously listen to that in detail. And what I would tell any of the young coaches out there, just a really fast rant to rip, don't focus on just the money. Don't focus on being fake famous on the internet. Don't focus on being a fucking celebrity trainer or a famous trainer or being on magazine covers or working with the biggest brands in the world. Don't worry about any of that shit. Worry about the people. Worry about the people you're serving and the people you're taking care of and, and master your craft and train yourself, be in shape, be fit, be healthy, lead from the front. Don't just teach theory, be a practitioner of this life. Don't prescribe a bunch of workouts that you wouldn't do yourself. Really help these guys. Be an example for them of how you eat, how you train, how you sleep, how you live. That's what I found success in doing and really give a shit about them. Find out what's going to make them tick. Find out what's going to make them eat better or sleep better and learn their habits. Learn their patterns. Be mindful of them. Ask them questions. There's a lot of stuff that can make you great, but I think caring is the biggest thing. There's a lot of people you guys I meet. They have they have kines degrees, exercise science degrees, CSCSs. They'll come in here. They'll interview. Um, I'll see them do stuff, and they're the worst fucking coach in the world. They're just not good because they think it's about them, and it's not. I know from afar, I think a lot of people think because of well, well, you know, Jeremy's business is just Jeremy and it's like his name's on the building and Instagram is him working out shirtless and it's like he's on magazine covers and he works with this brand and he's speaking in his podcast. It's marketing, you guys. Um, that's how we get people in the door. Um, it, it just is what it is. I could I could share videos of, a, you know, a 75-year-old woman here squatting, but it's not going to do very well. It's not going to get as much reach or as much context. So we're not going to have as many people touched. We're not going to get as many leads and not many people are going to come in the door. We're not going to make as much money. So I have to do that. It's it's what we do. And again, you guys obviously are going to get a lot of seeing me work out and train because I share things that are very usable. And so you can take, you know, me going through a bodyweight flow or me split squatting or me doing a, a simple dumbbell complex. You can take that and use that. So we use it to provide value for you. But I know if I do it with a shirt off, we know the numbers. We've seen him at Men's Health. I've seen him with Reebok. I've seen him, at, I've seen him here. I can pull my Instagram. I know what the distribution is going to be. So by doing that... It might look like, oh, the business is all about Jeremy. It's not about me. I'm not Jeremy Scott Fitness, and I'll do a podcast on that too. And I don't exist if these guys aren't here. 
If you guys aren't listening to this, this podcast doesn't matter. If you're not reading the blog and the newsletter, and if you're not on Instagram and Facebook, and if our clients aren't coming here, none of this shit matters. So this is all about them. Everything I do is basically what can help make these guys better. What can I create? What workout can I put together? What program can we design? What eating tip can I give? What podcast can I share can help these people? And I think that's what makes a good coach in any sport, not just in in fitness, but in life in general. What can help our clients? What can help the consumer? What can help our athletes? What What can we do that they can take right now to use to be better, to eat healthier, to make better choices, just to be a better person? And so that's kind of what I would say if you're trying to be a better coach. We have a whole podcast on that, and you can listen to it uh, in even more detail. Next one, um, how to recover from extreme weight loss and loose skin. Um, Alex, great question. It depends, man. Skin elasticity, some people it's more, some people it's less. Some people it's going to bounce back depending on you know how big you were, for how long you were genetically. Some of our people here who have lost in excess of probably 80, 90, 100 pounds, They've had to have the skin uh, weight loss removal. They just have because um, it, it wasn't going to bounce back. They just had too much. They were, you know, 150 pounds overweight for 15 years, and uh, the skin, you know, and they worked. What I would say is this: if you're on a, a weight loss, fat loss journey, and you get to a point where you're, you know, pretty much happy with your weight, you're within probably, you know, 10 or 15 pounds of your ideal weight. Give it another six months or a year or so, and if that skin is still there. Um, and, and you've continued to eat right and make the right choices, you're probably going to have to, uh, you know, call somebody and, and, and take care of it. That would be my advice. But but get down there, live the life for another six months or a year, see if anything changes, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. So um, any other questions on here? No, I think that's pretty much it. So um, hopefully this created value for you guys and, uh, and helped you guys in terms of, you know, just the random stuff. But again, if you guys are on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, when you watch these, or if you're listening to the podcast, feel free to DM me, email me, shoot me a message. I get a ton of requests. A lot of them are crazy, um, but these were of the, there's probably like 300 on here. Uh, these are the ones I picked through that seem to be the most uh, easy to talk to really fast. But again, if you guys want to hear something specific, uh, this podcast uh, exists for you. Uh, it doesn't exist for me. I'll, I'll create as much content as you guys want to listen to and hear and as much value as I can provide for you. And uh, hopefully it helps. So again, if you are on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Drop me a five star. Leave a comment if we've provided any value for you whatsoever. Please share this with a friend, family, coworker um, on Instagram, Facebook. You know, send them the link. Again, we're on everything: iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, obviously Anchor. Um, I truly would appreciate it. Selfishly, it helps us, you guys, but uh, it also helps these people just because I know a lot of this information is, is basic stuff to me, and maybe even to some of you listening. But your mom. Your uncle, your brother, your sister, your coworker, they don't know anything. I spoke to a group not that long ago um, of about 100 people of a major corporation, top performers, and I asked a question here. Who knows? Here, who, who here knows what macros are? And like one hand went up. One hand, you guys. How crazy is that? So I have to revamp the entire talk I was going to do because it was so far advanced and beyond what they were basically ready to listen to. And so my point being is even if you're hearing this and like, well, Jeremy, you said this before. Yeah, I've said it before to you. But your mom probably never heard it. Your brother might not have ever heard it. Your best friend might never heard it. And they want to be fit. They want to be healthy. They want to be happy. So again, sharing it selfishly does obviously pump our stuff up. But again, um, it's you guys doing a favor to somebody else who, who needs to hear the information that you think is so basic and simple. So anything else you guys want to hear, shoot me a message. I'm happy to record it. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, just keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.